speak to him maybe he'll shut up you know what i mean like if it, it, it rarely works that way if i speak to him maybe he'll shut up and learn his lesson but nine times out of yeah. ten they just go oh we're having a back and forth i'll just carry on then they'll be still <laughs> well i it's, it's kind of funny now the, so the other comedians thought it was very funny like they thought that what i said was very disproportionate to what came happening. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. That's the that's the that's the absolute best. Where, where someone's gone, I quite like him. You can fuck off, you can <laughs> Yeah, but the, the the positive of that though is you can now um you can you can now get your recording and do a classic could... comedian destroys heckler and stick that. I, um, it might it might be a clip, but as I as I said what I was saying, I was like, what am I saying? And it, and it was like it's something I would never say. You know, when you use a phrase or a word you'd never use. What did you say? I, I mean, but by the way, we start we we started recording. This is oh, you're Jack- recording. Oh, of course we have. This is great. Tom and Jack having the crack. We're here with the lovely Joe Bingham. Um, Hello, we're gonna, Joe. We're going to get into it. But I'm we're in splendid, the, man. We're in the middle of a of a war story about yeah. about Jack Jack ru- ruining someone's life at the comedy store. So they, so the first the first actor went on Felicity Ward, who's amazing. Um, like she she jumped off stage to confront someone to tell them to shut up talking. Um, there seemed to be a lot of people talking who I think they just didn't know that you aren't meant to talk. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah. But but when I was on stage, um, there was there was a guy I was doing a bit, and he 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 heckled and he heckled again, and I just thought I'm not going to be able to do this bit because he's just going to keep shouting out so i confronted him and we were having like a bit of a back and forth that was nonsensical and then i just said out and over are you a dickhead <laughs> he obviously didn't have a reply and, and bear in mind like i couldn't see him like he was in the back corner so it was pitch dark and, and then i just had to uh, I, I got lucky now i just stopped that bit i didn't finish it and then I just started up on a new bit and it sort of worked. But um, the my, my set was very disjointed, like it was very discombobulated, like, but but it, everything sort of landed. And, and they basically said to me at the end that they they thought I did well and that they'll get me they'll get me back to do another 20 on a Thursday rather than go to weekends. So I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I did. Yeah. And I did think. I fucked this up, like, do you know what I mean? Like in my head. I, but then when I listen back to it, everything did land. Like if I hadn't, I just shouldn't have. If I hadn't stopped with the Hector, if I just kept going, I think it would have been, it would have worked mm. a lot better. But I, I got, I got very confused too because my normal opening joke, Don told me he didn't like it, so I decided to to drop it. And then I was, you're trying to create a set that has flow, but has a different order. Mm-hmm. And then when I got there, they said, you're not doing 20, you're doing 18 because of the time. So then you have to drop two minutes. And then and then I did this stupid thing, which you, do, you only do when you're kind of nervous. So I then had a set list. And then like a minute before I went on stage, I was like, I'm going to change that. <laughs> which was a stupid thing to do too. So everything worked. I think it was just, you know, we're one of those ones where I'm in my head a bit, like I'm thinking, as I'm doing a bit, I'm thinking, what bit am I going to do next? And what time am I on? Rather than just, you know, I should have just been in the room a bit more. But but overall, it was all right. Good. Yeah. 
that's kind of what you were saying, Joe, just before we start recording about like people who there's a difference between like a promoter or a professional assessing your set versus Joe Public. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like say no. Like they like they know when it's when, like when it's been difficult or do you, do you feel like uh, and obviously this is um in the context of obviously Don Juan is the 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 godfather of the comedy store, but do do you feel that a promoter saying to you, Jack, I don't like your opening joke. You can, you've got a fair recourse to go. Well, yeah, but those guys always do, and they're the guys who've bought a ticket to laugh at a comedy show, and you, you've seen me do this opening joke, and that's why you booked me for this gig. Like it's it, it it's uh, got yeah. a rogue thing to just be like, yeah, but drop that actually. No, no, no. Well, he he didn't he didn't ask me to drop it, and he he didn't say it wasn't a good joke or it didn't work. He he just felt it was too long. Too, it, uh, it, but, it, it, but he planted that seed in your head of like, oh, should I do something ooh. about it or should I move it or. Yeah, you but, know what but I, mean? I, I, I still use, I'd still use the joke in other places. I just think, um, I just think from like my point of view is if you want to work with someone and they tell you that they didn't, that there's something they don't like, I, 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 I didn't have to drop it. Like I definitely didn't have to drop it. But it's just like it's, it's a form of appeasement. Like do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I want to get back in there. Like so, I just think it'd be foolish to go if you're trying to get more work there be foolish to use a joke that you know he doesn't really like yeah true sense? yeah and I, and I have heard of someone who did a thing where um, I, I want to say what they did but they did a kind of a gimmicky thing and, and he did say to them he didn't like it mm. and then they went back the next time and they did it again and then he was just like I'm not yeah. booking you again and, and you know that's perfectly within his right like you know what I mean he Again, you you don't have to act on it, but like whatever, whether you act on it or whether you don't act on it, there's you know you have to live with what the, the you know the yeah the, the repercussions of that of, is. yeah the repercussions yeah. of that is. Yeah. So for me, it just seems like a logical thing. And and I to be honest, I've done it in, in other clubs where someone has said informally to me that there's a there's a bit of mine that they don't really like, and then I just thought, well, I won't ever say that in that person's club either. Yeah, mm. you know, even though even though this other person. I know would never not book you over something like that. Mm. How do you feel about it, Joe? How would you have, you, have you come across that? Have you had to deal with anything like that? I, not, not too often, but I have. I suppose I've got, I've got two trains of thought now. I think the first one is opening jokes in particular are like very tricky because a lot of the time your opener is, is quite often one of your oldest jokes as well sometimes because... Yeah. Your opening joke is you starting strong. So you go, well, I'm going to start with a joke that always works. Make them laugh early. I then sometimes, and I don't know about you guys, I sometimes get in my head where I'm like, I'm very bored of my opener now. I've said it so many times over and over again. I'm sick of it. I'd like to write a new one. But it's such a tricky thing to test out. Because if you're looking to write a new opening joke and test it out, Mm. you're not doing a new material gig where you sandwich the new material in the middle and if it doesn't work, it's fine. I'll get them back on board. You're, you're rolling the dice on. My first joke tonight might not land and they'll immediately look at me and go, I don't think I find this guy funny. And then you're fighting an uphill battle for the rest of your set. So I think, I think yeah, totally. me personally, I find juggling, you know, I'd like a new opener, but how do I figure it out? Quite a difficult one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I'm I'm painfully bored of mine. I I almost wish it had stopped working at every gig so that I'd have a reason to <laughs> give it up to me. <laughs> I I think I think you just have to take those risks though, and and I think you can you can use a different joke that you have that works. But I think you do have to just take those risks and try new openers. Um, mm. I, you know, it's it's like it's like when you first start. You know, like when you first start, nothing you have works. You know, yeah. and you were you were prepared to go on stage with nothing. And I think, you know, the the more like the the more stuff you try on stage, that's a risk and that's brand new. The better you'll get. Mm. Yeah, but, but it is, but it does mean that you're going to have nights where, well, you know, that Wednesday was a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you you Joe. You're talking about like more of a not like a high pressure gig, but like a real gig, but like maybe, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's, yeah. Like, it's, it's important that they either rebook me or that, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. well those, those ones you can't take a risk, but the, but the, we're all doing gigs that you can take a risk. Yeah. yeah the new material nights, like I know, I know yeah. um, like Raj, for example, um, Raj often gives me a lot of stick because he's like, if we get a new material night, his theory is like sandwiching. Like I said, he's like, you, mm -hmm. you start with something that works, put some new in, finish with something that works. And he gives me stick because he's like, you turn up to new material gigs and just do 10 minutes brand new off the bat. You're like, I wrote this this afternoon. I'm just going to give it a go. And I'm, I'm always just like, yeah, because I wanted to figure it out. And he's got his own opinions on how well or, or, or not that works. But um, yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's those gigs where you're thinking, oh, I've not seen this promoter before. I'd, I'd, I'd like him to, to have some faith in me. I've been able to expand on my opener. That was my first kind of dipping my toe in. The last month or so, I've just yeah. expanded on it so that I'm not as bored because now it's not just an opening joke and me then moving on with my set. It's now my opener yeah. has become a setup to a, something bigger, which has been um, a positive. I think, I think to your other point as well, you know, with like people telling you um, about bits that maybe they don't like or, or not to use again. I, uh, I had my first one of those a few weeks ago. Uh, and it was an interesting way to be given the feedback as well, because it was a, I'd, been, I'd been at the place the week before and then I went back the week after. And as I'm about to go on stage, the promoter comes up to me and says, are you going to do the same set as last week? And I said, oh. no, no, I'm trying. Yeah. I said, no, I'm, I, I'm, I was trying to work out a lot of stuff for, for a longer show. I said, no, I'm trying something different this week. And he said, oh, good, because um, I had a complaint about last week's set. I've never had this before in my life. And uh, and then he and then he just said, oh, but it's fine. I'll tell you afterwards. What? <laughs> I was like, oh, great. So I'll just go on stage. That's now. the worst. That's the worst <laughs> option you could have taken. Yeah. In that oh. It's mental. I was like, I'll just go on stage in the same room, and 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 I'll be in my head thinking, what the fuck. Did that and he, he told me afterwards and um, it was very, it was such a mixed message as well that I didn't really know what to take from it because he said that there'd been one member of the audience that had had an issue with, with a bit. And I mean, I know, you, I know I've gigged with both of you guys. I wouldn't consider myself an edgy comic in any way. No, so I'm no, there thinking, how, how have I said something that's upset someone? And then even he was saying, well, I personally didn't think it was offensive uh, and I didn't think there was an issue with it. I mm. thought it was a good joke. And, I, and then I was like, so what am I supposed to take from this? Am I supposed to be like, so one person was upset about a bit that I've done numerous times before. One yeah. person has been upset with it. So what do you want me to do with this feedback? And he had no answers for me. He just went, oh, oh. just take what you will. And I was like, oh, great. All right, well, glad we had this chat there. Nice Sometimes I think things like that, it's like a power, it's a power thing. It's like they just mm. want you to know that they 
they have an insight into the industry. They have an insight you don't have, and they have like they can mm-hmm. they, they can um, ask you to manipulate what you're doing, and ultimately you work for them. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not everyone everywhere, but I think we've all come across that. That it felt like a very needless conversation. Yeah, like very much maybe it was like a bit of a flexing is like oh just remember this is my club and i'm in charge because 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 even afterwards like i did the next set and the, the, i think understandably the, the the set i did for him after he just told me that before i went on stage it i felt when i was on stage it took a little bit longer to get going than usual because mm. i think i was stood there like what the, what bit what bit was it that pissed them off so i wasn't in the room as such because i was thinking do they hate, about it do they, do, they, do they hate birmingham is that what it is they yeah really exactly. exactly that's 90 of my set gone yeah, and then funny. but then i was like I, I still did i did the gig it, it was it was it was like what we were talking about earlier jackie's like it was it felt fine and i came off with all these questions and then he's still just like all right yeah i'll send you an email with availability and we'll get you back in and i was like so why have we had this chat like what have either of us gained from this? That sounds to me, though, that he just said that to you in a talkless way. Someone said it to him and he just sort of said it to you. I, I don't so, really yeah. feel... Yeah, it doesn't sound like... Because he, he wasn't really... He, he sort of said, take what you will mm-hmm. from it. Um, but I, I think, too, it's... I think it, it's not nice to hear that your joke upsets someone, but also I think you have to accept at some point you will say something that will upset someone. Do you know what I mean? You just sort of have to, you just sort of have to accept it. And you kind of have to accept that like, you know, comedy, you know, it's like music. It's not for everybody and everybody's not Mm. for everybody. And, and, and it it can be like, I sometimes get very self-conscious about some jokes. I think that this could be, this could be upsetting to someone and I don't want to upset someone. But then there's other times where I'm like, it's not really upsetting. So it, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. You know, it's a fine, I don't know how you guys process it because you, you have just short sometimes, especially with the off the cuff stuff, you have just short window to process whether to go for it or not. So yeah. I had, a, I had a, an exact someone recently was at a show and they had um, it was an Israeli guy and his his girlfriend was Polish, and he'd said as I asked how did you meet and he's like oh we met because she fucking hates my neighbors. And I was dying to say that's the most Israeli thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, it's good. And I said it, but I was I was, gig- I was gigging with Ram, and so it's like, okay. it's like it's this like dual act. Me and him are on stage together, and I basically said it into his chest, and only Ram heard it. So that on the video, he's like cackling away, and the audience is like, "What? What was that?" What, what, what? But I was, but I was desperate to say it with my say it with my chest out to the audience. But I was with, like, with confidence, yeah. But I was like, I don't want to oh. lose the entire room. I also yeah. think with stuff like that, though, as well, if you are going to say something that, because for me, that that's just an observation. You're not saying anything um, that, that that's that's offensive. It, it's an observation on like, yeah, Israel do hate their neighbours. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's very it's very publicly known. I think sometimes with stuff like that as well, you know, if you say something that maybe could be construed in a way and you mm. don't say it with full belief, mm. that's when you lose a room. If yes. they're looking at you and thinking... I don't think even this guy is committing to this bit. Should we be concerned about this? Should we be laughing at this? Because he doesn't seem sure that we should be either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot in that, like tone of voice and and body language and everything they're picking up on that. And like letting them know it's silly, and letting letting them know you know it's silly. Silly, yeah. And not like a oh, should we even cover this topic? 
it comes back to like you know everyone talks about it for seemingly forever, but I think it's only been the last couple of years or so, and everyone talks about being being cancelled and stuff like that. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I get so many of my friends who who don't do comedy, and they always say to me like, it must be so hard at the minute because you can't talk about anything. And I always just say to them like, no, not really, because I didn't, I I, ne- I never had any like you know horrendous views on the trans community or anything like that I'm, I'm, I'm not a bubbling cauldron of hate that's yeah. waiting to spout it all so it's not really been an issue but i did have um i did a gig in camden and i was i was talking about um to two two of my oldest friends I went, I went to primary school and secondary school with them and i was telling a story that's ultimately centers around how they both came out to me within a year of each other hmm. when we were teenagers and i had a guy come up to me afterwards and he said, uh, he said, is that all true? And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's true. And he said, oh, okay. He's like, no, I, th- I thought it was. I just thought I'd ask. And I, I said to him, I said, what feels more feasible to you that I do actually have some some gay friends that this that this happened, or that I've invented two gay friends for the sake of one joke in my set? And he just went, yeah, I never thought of it that way. I was like, that's oh, a weird, that's... weird question. That is so funny, though. <laughs> oh, man. How good do you think my imagination is? <laughs> I, I do have a few friends who say that to me, too, that you can't say anything anymore. And it's like, it's, I just said, like, that's just not true. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're, yeah, I have friends who are teachers, and they say it, but like, mm. you know, in comedy and teaching is very different. Yeah, teaching, you have to be very careful what you say, but in comedy, not really. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And like you said, like no one's bubbling up with hate, but like we, no one's trying to spread hate or propaganda or anything like that. People are trying to make jokes and and you can still joke about anything. Like if the joke is good, like we're all hearing stuff that I think people think can't be said. And then you're you're there and you're like, it's been said. Yeah. So mm-hmm. someone found the right way into it that felt authentic to them, that felt like a real, a real opinion or is at least emotionally real anyway that mm. they can tap into. And, it's, and it's good when you see different people approach it from different perspectives. You're like, oh, I couldn't have said that, but that person nailed it from their perspective. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I, I also have like a bit a bit of a, a an opinion at the moment as well, which is that I, I think that it, it's getting to a point where it, it could be foreseen as quite dangerous for the future because like the art of conversation and debate is just going to be eradicated completely because it's it's just going to be a case of, well, I'm only going to speak to people who hold the same views as me and I'm going to close mm-hmm. myself off to the rest of the world. And then that becomes a very dangerous place in itself. I mean, it's 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 been in the news again this week, hasn't it, that there's obviously like a new Harry Potter video game that's come out and J.K. Rowling did an interview around, you know, her tarnishing her legacy and people talking about that because of her comments around kind of trans women and my big takeaway from that was like you're you're allowed to disagree with her opinions but in the same breath she's still allowed to have her opinion like you can you can just as easily go i don't agree with what she said and and move on but she's still allowed to have her opinion whether whether you think it's right or wrong that's how the world works everybody's got their own brain yes yeah, I, I think, though, I, I think, you know, there's always been arguments that have been very hot and polarized in a way that just people wouldn't talk about. Like, you know, I think, uh, like, for example, abortion isn't that much of a controversial issue now to talk about. 
But there would have been a time where people would have, certainly in Ireland where I live, where people would have very much kept their cards close to their chest about that well, because no. because the conversation was hysterical. Do you know mm. what I mean? Uh, it was utterly hysterical. And and the transgender one, I think, is very interesting because have you ever heard the, the, the thing in psychology about the, the runaway train? Um, the, it's the thing in... So basically a train is, is running away and there's some there's someone on the it's going to hit and kill three people but you've got a chance to push one person in front of the train and save three people would you push the one yeah. person in front of the train you've heard of that before yeah. haven't you mm-hmm. yeah and 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 i think that is basically the 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 the, the transgender argument in that um t- transgender women are attacked more when they're put in male environments than transgender women attack in female environments. Mm. But as things are, that train is killing three people. But we're now asking ourselves as a society, are we willing to push the one person in front of the train to save the three people? And it's it's very hard because in that in, in that thing, three people die. But the one person who dies, you have to shoulder some responsibility for. And that's basically what happened to Nicola Sturgeon. She's now had to has a sense of responsibility for what that transgender woman did. So she is the person who pushed the one person and has been blamed for that now. Mm. And there's no real easy answer to that. And there never will be. Yeah. And I think just 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 admitting that is that'll be a huge step forward. Just admitting just there's, 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 like, there's, there's no easy answer. Say, Listen. There's, there's no, no easy answer to that, yeah. like and because be, yeah, of course you want to uh, save three, kill one person to save three people, but do you? No one wants to be the person who has to live with the responsibility of killing a person. Yeah, mm. you know that's a that's a it's a, a very tricky conundrum. But people are going at it like it's it's a very easy uh, oh. way to pick sides, and it's not. The, the older I get, I don't know how you two feel about this. I think comedy is really good for good for this. The older I get, my biggest pet peeve with people is certainty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you are like so secure in your belief about, and I don't care where it is on the, on a spectrum of, you know, political ideas or whatever it is, but it's that you believe you found the truth. And like, because it borders on willful ignorance after a bit, like to a point it borders on, oh, you're just choosing to just shut yourself up to any foreign interference or any other opinion you, you're so set in your ways you've just got no i am right and you are wrong and that's it it's frustrating yeah it's frustrating but, but on, on the flip side though <laughs> i do think if you just get to a certain point in your life now i'm not going to do this but i do think if you get to a certain point in your life and you just decide that okay this is what i know and that's it and that's rigid i think it makes your life easier it does. It, oh, it will. It oh, does. it definitely will. It does. It does. That's why it's so seductive. Yeah. Totally. I also, I also think that, like, I, I also have an awareness that I, I think firstly, I think comedy has come a long way from where it was. Because I, I don't know about you guys. If you see, if you see a, a comic that used to, you know, be on the circuit in the in the eighties or something, and they're still doing the same jokes now. Oh, yeah, you do dead. feel a bit uneasy where you're like, oh, no, we have come a long way because mm. this is no longer acceptable because we're sat there being like, you probably shouldn't make jokes about beating your wife, big man. You know what I mean? Like, let's <laughs> let's move on from that. I also think that, I don't know, from 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 me specifically, like, I've I've no real, to, I suppose to, to, to come back to like the trans piece because there has been a lot of it in comedy as well. My, my, for me, it's like I'm not going to do a special on it because I just don't care. If if someone tells me I'm I'm a woman, 
and they've got a beard, I'll just go, okay, you said you're a woman, you knock yourself out. I'll, I'll, I'll refer to you as, as a she, then that is fine. Because you've told yeah, me, yeah. I, I don't care. And and I think there's an element of, because of that, when I've watched specials that have, that have centred around the topic, a lot of the time I've not felt any kind of way about it because I've not, I'm not impacted by it. Mm. You know what I mean? I've got the lens of the straight white man of me being like, or maybe, you know, you can look at it and go, oh, maybe that was a bit far or, you know, maybe you shouldn't have done a third special on the topic if you claimed not to care about it. But <laughs> yeah. I, I'm also in a luxury position where I'm also able to step away from it and go, well, that's that's not got much to do with me. I, I, I will support my friends that are in those circles, but... Mm -hmm. I'm 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 not I'm not going to go on Twitter and try and lambast a man who is never going to see my tweet because he's already too big. <laughs> yeah, I th I think it's I think obviously we're talking about the, uh, Chappelle and, and Ricky Gervais here. I I think it was a trap, and I think their their ego and their arrogance led them into a trap. And I think certainly, uh, like Chappelle, his, his you know his, his early stand up was amazing, and the stuff he did on race was brilliant, you know. Mm. And then there's a sort of a place where he's been elevated. You know, you're a voice of you know we you're a, a sage, you know you're a voice of wisdom. And then it's sort of like then your ego's kind of going people are saying that this is the big debate. This is the defining debate of our time. Like, so you're, you're, you're being lured to weigh in on it, but actually you're right. He has no experience of it. Like there's no, it, it, you know, well, I, he does say he has a trans friend, doesn't he? Like, but like, which, let's which, be honest about it. I'd say his, his life experience of, of transgenderism is, is very minimal. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like Josh, when Josh Balfe was on, he had that great point. That that is the, basically the equivalent. It's just it's Josh's point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Really. And, and, and Joe, Josh was like, uh, "That's the equivalent of like every racist going like, I've got a black mate. I've got, <laughs> I've got a black mate.' It yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, is. Oh, it is. Completely. <laughs> yeah, completely. And I think and, the and, other thing that was quite ironic about Chappelle's thing was he had a very funny and very famous bit from back in the day when he was talking about watching the news in the aftermath of nine eleven. And he's watching the news and everybody's in the whole country's in a state of panic. And then the newscaster is like, uh, we're now we're now cutting live to Ja Rule. Ja, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? And he's like, who the <laughs> fuck said call Ja? I want to hear what Ja's got to say about 9-11. And he, it was such a funny bit. But then I'm I'm looking at him talking about about the trans debate, thinking yeah. you're Jar Rule talking about 9/11 now. Nobody yes. asked for your opinion. I'm looking for some answers that Dave might not have. Yeah, right but yeah. but having having said all of that, like for all we know, they could be sitting in meetings where someone's just gone to them. Listen, I think if you do a bit about transgender, we can make an extra five million, and they're just like, yeah. do you know what? Yeah, I've got family, five million. I could, you know. That's sort of, that's that's my daughter's education. So do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I reckon his thing because he had he had um his original point was quite interesting, which was that as a black man in America, this group seems to have acquired a lot more rights, status, sympathy, empathy than we have over sixty years. And, yeah, and, that, and, that, was, and like, that was his point. Yeah, yeah. yeah and his, and like, whether you whether you agree on that in in sticks and stones, that's quite an interesting. Like. Who's, perspective you know, perspectives like yo that is interesting that is kind of like you know which side you, which lever do you pull the trolley who do we say you know but then i think i think the other two were just like oh you tell me i can't talk about it well i'm gonna fucking yeah, yeah well, that, that, that's what became the frustration for me because I, I well 
I suppose my big frustration is I've I've not picked my pop culture idols particularly well over the years. So like pe- people say to me, "Who's your favorite musician?" It was always Kanye West. And people, <laughs> when you when you when you're a comedian, it's like, "Who's your favorite comedian?" It was always Chappelle. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it makes it makes me sad that when I'm asked those questions now, I have to caveat it by going, "Oh, old Kanye and old Chappelle are my favorites." Like, and it's it. I, I don't know. It, it it. I suppose to your point as well, Tom. That that was how it felt to me because I I went and saw him and Chris Rock um, mm. at, at the O2. It, it it was an incredibly funny show because it was them. It was Chris Rock basically talking about you know everything he's been up to in the absence of, of, of him on the stand-up scene. Years and years have been away from stand-up. What he's been up to it was just a great hour of stand-up. And he, and he opens it at the top by saying, I'm not going to talk about the slap. And then Chappelle comes out right after him and just talks about the slap, talks about the attack um, at the Hollywood Bowl mm. and how he was still painted as the villain despite him being attacked by an armed man. It was a it was a great hour of stand up, and you're like, oh yeah, so you you are still an incredible stand up. Nobody stand-up has disputed player. that, and you are still great. But it was that point of, I think he lost the premise that was an interesting premise in his first mm. one, in his first mm. special, and then like you said, the second two were almost just a case of like, it becomes a weak argument, and he's coming out going, listen, you guys all came for me and attacked me, and I don't care, but here's another hour on it about why I do care. And then you attacked me again. I still don't care. But here's another hour about why really I do care. Actually, that you're attacking me. Yeah. Like it would have been a lot more fun for him to just go. Let's just let's just talk about something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, You've done it now. Yeah. Let's just talk about something else. But um, still a still a very funny man. In, 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 oh in, yeah, in yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, what's what's the one uh, killing them softly? It's like. Mm. Still, still as good as oh, it gets, really. I remember when I was a kid. So my my two favorite comedians growing up were Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, because they were the two comics me and my brother found on Comedy Central. Like, um, Bring the Pain and Killing Them Softly will be on Comedy Central all the time. And, and I can see yeah. that in your stand-up as well, Tom, because you've got that one bit where you say the N-word <laughs> repeatedly. So I can see, I can see the influence. Yeah. <laughs> There's no difference. It's just, it's just. <laughs> Why does and you wear all, you wear the long leather, you know, you're yeah. all leather. <laughs> why does he? Why does he hit the R so hard? Run. He seems to enjoy that bit the most. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, come here, anyway, Joe. Tell us about this uh, OnlyFans stuff. Oh, mate. Yeah. So, okay. So there was there was obviously there was there was the advert that went round the. The, the, the comedy circuit, which was basically saying OnlyFans want to run a comedy competition and we're going to give you 50 grand. And um, there was a lot of skepticism around it, I think, initially. I think a lot of people were like, why would I want to work with, with OnlyFans? Understandably. Fans, yeah. But um, I remember it came to the day where it was the last day to enter. And I'm looking at it thinking 50 grand, 50 grand, you know what I mean? But I was still a bit on the fence. And they had a the, the application process was you uploaded like a video as to why you've applied and put it onto a portal. And I looked at it and I looked at the, the very established names that were attached to the project and thought, well, maybe that adds a bit more weight to it being a legitimate thing. And at the time, it was a mistake, it turns out, a logistical error on their part. The portal for uploading applications was public. So there was a spell where you could see everybody who'd applied. 
And All right. I, I scrolled through it for a little bit. And I was like, there's actually a lot of a lot of comedians that I really respect on the circuit have applied to this. So I just thought, you know what, probably nothing will come from it. I'll just throw my hat in the ring and, and, and applied. And they ended up calling me two days before shooting started and said, yeah, you're in if you want to be in. And it was all very, um, very quick turnaround, not much time to make a decision. It's like, we need to know now, do you want to do it or not? So I think I basically said to them on the phone, like, look, my only concern, because the, the producer was an independent producer. He didn't work for OnlyFans. So I just said to him, I'll be completely honest with you, that brand is the only thing that's concerning me and putting me off. Mm. Uh, and I'm I'm not willing to do anything on a TV show that's going to, you know, bring whatever reputation I have into disrepute or anything. And he just said, no, there's nothing like that. It is going to be centred around comedy. And everything that we get you to do has already been signed off by the professional comedians that are attached to it. So I just thought, at the end of the day, I just thought, fuck it, it'll be an interesting week of filming at the very least. Yeah. And uh, it was, but it wasn't at all what I was expecting it to be. No. Are you did you, was it like The Apprentice? Did you stay in a house or...? They they put us up in the in the in the Hilton in Angel, which was very nice of them. And I did say it them. I only lived down the road. Um, but they <laughs> they said no, you have to you have to be in the hotel, which was it, it was winter, so it was nice that it was, yeah. it was cozy in the Hilton. Um, but it was a bit. I, I, none of us knew what to expect because they didn't tell us anything really. Right. Um, and we genuinely just thought it's a it's a comedy competition, and stand ups have applied to be in it. So they're going to get us to do stand-up. And they were telling us about, um, you know, they run these LMAOF stand-up events. Only fans have started running stand-up events around the US and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. to be completely honest, one of the big reasons I applied was it was ran by an American company and an American production house. So I, I thought if I can make some connections in in America, it can only be useful. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, it did turn out to be a survival reality show, essentially, where each day we were set a different um, comedy-centric challenge. Um, and then there'd be eliminations at the end of each day. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so not at all. Like, every one of us, after the first day, was like, I didn't know I was signing up to a reality TV show, which is mm. essentially what it was. Yeah, it was um, yeah. And it, it was funny because it was, like, American producers that were making it. I was like, Yeah, so none, none of us had any idea that we'd essentially signed up for, like, a, a reality TV show. And because they were American producers, I think they were trying to, turns out they were very nice guys, but they, um, I think they were trying to engineer it in a sense of like that typical American reality show style thing. So, you know, there was like diary rooms and everything for like talking about what you'd been through. And they would, you could tell from the way they were like probing the questions that they were trying to generate a bit of drama or something. Mm. And they even said to me at one point, oh, we just assumed, you know, comedians it'd be a bit of ego and stuff like that and i said yeah but you didn't account for the one factor which is we're all british mate like the and and and, and we all work together so we are very let me just pull these blinds i, I think I, I look like a, I look like a ghost there you go um <laughs> i was like uh, but I, I i just said to him i was like you know we all work together and it's an environment which is you know most of the time a lot more supportive than you probably think it is so They'd, they'd be asking questions about like, oh, who do you think was the worst today? Or blah, and you'd be like, no one. I am going to see these people again. No one. They're all great. Go away. Uh, and I, 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 I definitely think in some in some respects that maybe made worse television for them. 
But I also think that from our perspective, there was an element of us being like, yeah, we have an obligation to to, to help you make good TV. But TV, yeah. Also, it's like, we also felt a bit duped as well because we were like, well, this isn't what any of us thought we were signing up to. We just thought maybe naively that we'd get to actually do comedy because that's what you said it was for. Um, so my, my mindset basically then just became um, every challenge let's just get through this it did it, it went from let's try and win 50 grand to i just want to get to the final so that i can take part in everything and have a laugh mm. like i you know i don't want to be like oh the, the day after you got eliminated we got we did this thing and it was mental and loads of fun because then i'd get fomo so then my thing became let's just survive each challenge <laughs> so that i get to experience all of it essentially and on the whole it was a fun week um, yeah but yeah it was it was an interesting experience and, and watching yourself on television, I, I, I found How it incredibly, that? oh, it's incredibly uncomfortable. It's... Like, uh, I remember the, the, the first time I had it was, I did, when I did the BBC New Comedy Awards thing, and I remember just waking up one day and being like, oh shit, my episode's out. And there's something very weird. I feel like, I don't know, you, you, the, 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 the way you, your mind works when you're growing up is like, if you're on TV, you've made it. You're a you're, you're a star. If you're on TV, there's something very jarring about watching yourself on TV whilst you're ironing a shirt to go to the office for your day job, and you're <laughs> and you're like, I, sh- I shouldn't I shouldn't be going to the office anymore. I'm on pretty, I'm, I'm watching myself on TV, but you're yeah. like, oh, the, the reality is this is a, this is actually just a wholly uncomfortable experience, and I and I, I I wasn't a fan. I felt very uncomfortable about it. Have you been recognised from the BBC thing? Since you've been bollocks, mate. The people who watch BBC New Comedy Awards are comedians. Comedians, yeah. <laughs> no, one else, no one else is watching that. A lot of no open one. mics. Like, he's, he's, he's signing autographs at open mics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, that was the worst thing, though. I, I, did, um, I did Comedy in Your Eye the night of the episode coming out. And I got there. And, uh, and 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 Sam Code, the little bastard, he was like, I'm going to introduce you as like the BBC's Joe Bingham. And I said, please don't. I was like, please, for the love of God, don't do it. And, and he, he was like, okay, okay, okay. And he goes on and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, you ready for your first act? You might recognise him from the BBC. Oh, and I'm all Sam Lowen. You won't. You, you absolutely will not recognise him. Yeah. But I had that for about a week. Very much just like, you know, getting a bit of a... It, it was the typical comedians thing, wasn't it? It's... um. A pat on the back and a well done for for doing it, but also the what we're more comfortable with the little jabs and jives of like, oh, are you not too big time to be gigging with us now? And you're just like, please, please stop. I don't, I don't even like it when audience members come up to me after shows and go, oh, I really, you, like, oh, I really enjoyed that. I'm just like, please don't, please don't. Is, isn't that isn't that like, weird? That isn't that a weird dynamic we all have to deal with of like, I'm I'm up here because I want the extent. I mean, in exchange for doing some work, in exchange for jokes and doing a good job. But I want some attention. But the minute, because yeah. I'm the same, the minute I get off stage, I'm like, I feel quite uncomfortable if anyone's like, oh, that was good. Or... Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I, I used to find it very uncomfortable, but now I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Because uh, I, 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 I realized that a lot of times if they come up to you, you don't need to say anything. You just, they, they want to say something. So I, now I just kind of listen to, do you know what I mean? Rather mm. than, I think in the past, I used to kind of feel that I need to say something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you yeah, still yeah. have to be on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're expecting you to still be the actor or something. Whereas now I just kind of, 
and 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 I I think after a while you sort of realize that is kind of part of the package. Do you know what I mean? I think it's yeah. Like I do, I definitely think when you're in a big club, and if they if people in the audience come up talking to you afterwards, and the promoters see you chatting to them, I think it looks good because it's you know mm. it's, you're, you're you're trying to sell a part of comedy is you're selling socializing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone talk about it. You know big comics they're like oh god i had to do a meet and greet and merchandise and da 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 but that's what people want because like i know you now you're, you're yeah, not yeah, just, yeah you're not just a random joke teller for the night i know you and i'm I, i'll follow you and i'll find you again and i'll come see you again and 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 also i think like if you're going for a night out with just one other person say right you could go you could go to a pub right just the two you could go to a pub and the, the likelihood of talking to other people is probably less than if the two you go to a comedy gig because for some reason at comedy gigs, people do end up talking to each other. And it can be because the MC talks to people too. Like, so the MC asks, so what do you do for a living? And then you'd always see someone might go over to them afterwards and go, oh, you work for you work for BAD or something like that, you know? So I do think, you know, there's, uh, comedy's a magnet for lonely people. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I also think as well, like my, because um, I, was, I, was, I, was I was talking to my therapist about it, about the weird divide about, you know you go on stage and you put yourself out there but then you don't you don't want to be seen afterwards and 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 she was saying to me that like we we see ourselves as who we are which is we're, we're just normal people who figured out that we have a skill or an ability and a, to be able to do something but to them like we we're almost celebrity status for the night because you're the person on stage under the mm. spotlight trying to captivate in that whole room so as much as we're still very much like no i'm still a normal person with normal everyday problems and a life and, and and so on and so forth they look at you for that evening and they're like oh but you're a star of course you are because you're on stage doing mm. this they yeah. don't see a differential between it and and there's an element of magic to it because everyone's afraid of public speaking and and like we all were at the start, but after a while you become so acclimatized to it. It does look like magic because most people are sitting there imagining what, how they would feel if they were in ashes, mm-hmm. and they'd be shitting it because like they don't really like you know like let's take for last night like last night you're coming so with three hundred or four hundred people right, but that's five years of practice. But if you've never done any public speaking in your mind, it, what I'm doing looks insane. Especially when you Do layer you know on I mean? that so many people think we're coming up with it. So many people think As, on the spot. He's just yeah. walked up there and started yeah. talking. Yeah. And like, what? like it does look like magic. It genuinely looks like magic. And it, it looks incomprehensible mm-hmm. almost, you know. Um, I sometimes wonder, I'd love to know what you two think of this. Because I was I was gigging, gigging with Jamie D'Souza last night, and obviously he's so good at the misdirections. Oh, it's brilliant! And, brilliant and every other line's got a misdirection, and I sometimes wonder: is that more like a magic trick, where it's like, ah, ah yeah, it is, oh, or is it the person telling us? Because you know, some of the comics are great storytellers, and you almost don't see you you almost don't see any room for a punchline, and all of a sudden, one comes out of nowhere. I saw. I was. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I wonder which one is more magical to the crowd. <laughs> They both are, but I do think I do think the misdirect because like Sergi's a master of misdirection, and he was a magician. Yeah, mm. and the way and the way he tells those jokes is like a magician presenting his trick, mm-hmm. you know. 
But then I think some of the longer kind of stuff, certainly with callbacks, it's probably a bit more like Darren Brown magic. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's, it, but again, it's, it's, it's all misdirection to a certain degree. Yeah. But like some of it is very much, they really present the misdirection where sometimes it, the misdirection's hidden. But it's all actually, Yeah, that is actually a very good analogy. I was just thinking about it then when you said it. It is almost like, you know, somebody who's doing a joke of setup and punchline is almost like close-up magic. Like, you know, yeah. someone in a stall on the street, you, you, you think the ball's under that cup, it's over here. And yeah. you, you get that immediate, like, oh, my God. Whereas somebody who's doing like a, a longer form, doing stories, doing bits, it is like Darren Brown because you'll – you will tell a story and you you will f- no bit of information because word economy is so important no bit of information in a, in a longer setup is 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 not important mm-hmm. but the delivery is oh i'm just telling you bits and pieces and then the payoff at the end is a little nugget of information that you gave them back here that they forgot about they're reminded yeah. of in the payoff and they're like oh yeah. my god yeah Okay, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well done, well done, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've, even even that, even you doing that, it's blown my mind. The whole whole hour was worth it. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, but the other thing too, like, um, uh, one of the reasons why I think callbacks are so magical is to an audience, it looks like the whole thing was written maybe written in one go in a linear manner but actually in reality they weren't written at the same time or they certainly weren't written in a linear way but it has the but it has the illusion of extreme intelligence like it looks so much clever the illusion of the illusion of cleverer the illusion cleverer the illusion of intelligence would be a great name for a special yeah, because a lot of comedy is the illusion of intelligence yeah. too, isn't it? Like it looks, it, it, when you start doing it, you realize it's, it's it, you know, it's it's testing in a lab basically. Mm. But then when you present it, you present it as if you've sat down and you've spent, oh, I spent an hour writing 20 minutes. Like, you know what I mean? And, and from that point of view, it does look very smart. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you manage to tie your bits into anything happening in the room, people are like, wow. Just, yeah. yeah, he must have just yeah. popped up right now. Uh, Joe, I was thinking, is your only is your only fans thing gonna air in America, or is it just an American production company that did it? All over, yeah. So they've they've got their own. I think they've got their own network and their own. Um, <clears throat> it's like its own thing, OnlyFans TV, apparently. So yeah, I down I, I downloaded the app and then I, I basically just like fast forwarded through every episode just to make sure mm. that I don't look like too much of a bell end. But um, yeah, it's it's out all over and. Um, yeah, we we've all got OnlyFans accounts now, and we've racked up like a lot of subscribers on there. But That's, yeah. what, just, are you, what are you up to? What are you up to on it? I haven't checked, but I think there's like a few hundred on there. But I think a lot of it is, um, uh, I think it's prone to like a lot of bots, or a lot of it is people mm. kind of promoting their own stuff. Or I had a message come through that was just a very graphic video, and then just like, what are you going to post on here? And I was like, and I, I was drunk. I, I was not thought about it. I was, <laughs> I was, I was drunk when I sent it. So, hey, but thank you for the donation. Yeah. I appreciate. It. But uh, yeah, it's it, that's still a conversation that I'm having with like the, the the team that are at OnlyFans, which is kind of like, but what do you expect us to, to do with this platform, man? Because I just don't. I don't see kind of, you know, how 
I could monetize it. Like their their example for it was Matt Rife. And they okay. said Matt Rife is like an ambassador for the OnlyFans platform. But then they show you his kind of intro video on his profile. And it's obviously pretty boy Matt Rife being like, oh, hey guys, comedian Matt Rife here. Uh, you, you, you subscribe to my OnlyFans. I'm going to be uploading like some comedy clips and some videos and some workout tutorials. And I'm like, there's the moneymaker. Mm-hmm. There it is. Pretty boy muscle man Matt Rife is yeah. going to post topless videos of him doing push-ups. Like yeah. that's what's going to pull the money in. Just, and and yeah. it's tricky because that's the reason that they did this show. And they did a fashion one in America. And I think they've got some other ones coming up. Because they want to rebrand away from what they became, but yeah. it's, it, 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 comedy felt like a complex mm. one to rebrand from. Like if you're, if ninety five percent of your viewership is people that want to see pictures of toes, like I, I don't think they're all of a sudden going to start paying money to see a clip of me doing crowd work at Angel on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I, th- I think that the show was definitely worth doing and, and you know, you, you had a chance of winning big money. But I think OnlyFans doing comedy is like when McDonald's started doing salads. Like, you just know it's not going to last. Yeah. And no, no one's going to McDonald's for the it. salads. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, you, you know, they did little bits of fruit in the tub and everything like that. But it's still, it's, it's a burger company. The, the, the bed is, yeah. it, it would have been smarter if they used the the platform and give it like a rebrand like like, like a like a sub brand you know the, yeah the, the, and, the... And, and and that's what they're doing really well in america with lmaof which is their mm. live shows because mm. the brand the only fans brand will obviously like pull people in because it's a recognizable brand mm. but ultimately people are still just going because it's a comedy show that's been put on in their town or in their city like people yeah. aren't going because they're like, oh, I've never considered going to a comedy show before. But if OnlyFans are putting one on, I'll go. Yeah. The reality of it is that they're, they're latching onto what's already a well-established medium, which is people go to comedy shows. So from a business perspective, it makes sense for them. And it it was it was it was a fun experience. And uh, mm. I think anything that teaches you more about that side of the industry around TV and, and production and editing and stuff like that is is useful in the long run. Um, but yeah, I certainly never went into it thinking this is what's going to make my dreams come true. Yeah. yeah, I just went into it being like, well, they've asked me, and I mean, what else am I going to do this you, week? Like, you, you, just, you just got to try it all, haven't you? Because like, you, you don't know, you don't know what's going to stick or like what's going to work or hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. Or who you're going to meet? You know, those people who are doing that, they might go on and do something else. They liked you, you know, you get another, another exactly. And I think too, like everyone's long term goal is, is to is to get to a position where you're good enough and you have a following to tour, you know, the theatres or whatever, like, and anything, anything can be the catalyst that gives you a following. It really can, like. Oh, yeah, mm. I mean, I mean, look at, like, uh, so I feel like Hannah did the traitors. I mean, she's, yeah. she's catapulted into a whole new level of, you know, being able to do near, near enough whatever she wants. And if, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she'll do great on those live shows and that'll be like, I'm done, you know, I've sort of hit a new level and I won't go back down and, yeah, I think I think anybody who poo-poo's anything like building up a social media following, doing anything and any everything that gives you exposure, I I, I would never criticize anyone for doing anything like that. Like, no, there was a guy, there. there was a guy in Ireland. You know, when like reality TV shows first started, you know, there was like when Big Brother around the time Big Brother first started, Ireland did a kind of Survivor one on an island. And there was a guy on it. He, he won it and he, and he beat up a fella. He punched a fella on it too. Like they got it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
he ran for the he ran for the Senate in Ireland after that, right? And and to get elected to the Senate, it's like the House of Lords. To get elected, only politicians can vote for you, right? And and he he topped the polls, and all the politicians voted for him because he had he had this bit of fame. But none of them knew him, and none of them had watched the show. But they all had heard he punched someone on the telly, and that yeah. was it. He tapped, you know, and and that was like. That was 20 years ago. He's still in the Senate now. You know I mean? So I should have punched someone. So next time I go on TV, yeah. physical violence is the route to success. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to give that yeah. a go. Yeah, well, I mean, because name, I mean, I've worked in advertising for like 14 years. Like name recognition is massive in any, anything. Anything, anything. Like, yeah, yeah. Jack, you, you probably know this story better than me. When George Bush, George W. Bush ran for president, a, a big part of why he got elected in, for Texas governor is people thought it was his dad. People thought his dad was on on the ballot. Because, like, yeah, his name name recognition yeah. would work like that. Yeah, well, the Kennedy name, the Kennedy name is very powerful in politics. Yeah. Like, you know. Yes, yeah, so if, if people just have like a small sense of like, oh yeah, I've heard of I've heard of Joe from somewhere. Well, you you do know that in in on a, on a ballot paper, the first name gets a gets a gets a hit. Gone. You get it like you get an extra five percent for if you're the first name on the ballot. Oh, you mean literally just the top? Oh, really? Yeah, the top. yeah, 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 yeah. And that, to be honest, lads, that's the that's the the the, the kind of I suppose the trick of the Edinburgh Fringe too. Like, did you ever see Masai Graham? He all his shows are on the yeah. first page. You know, one hundred and one like, jokes. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How we're doing it? Yeah. I'm thinking of calling my. I I feel a bit brazen and and shameless about it, but I'm thinking of calling my Edinburgh show this year. One extremely funny Irishman. So that's probably, probably the front page. Yeah, it's marketing. It's marketing genius. In yeah. You know, like it's it's a cheap trick, but like other who people cares? are doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, who cares? You know? Yeah, you you don't you don't be the ones to put down your weapons first, do you? <laughs> if, everyone else is, if everyone else is doing it, um, it'd be uh, funny then if half the book became numbers, you know, and then they decided yeah. they were putting they were putting numbers after letters. Yeah, yeah it's just binary code throughout the fucking Edinburgh Fringe book. Uh, uh, Joe, did you have a did you did you have a little think about anything that was uh, you were loving, annoying, or any bits you were trying? Um, things I was looking. You know what? I watched uh, Physical One Hundred on Netflix this week because I've been on the, I've been on the trains a lot going around. Have you seen this show on Netflix? It's, it's like a, um, I've seen I've seen the poster of a trailer. It looks like it's like a workout show or something. Like a yeah, it's it's just like it's it's all these like Korean athletes basically competing against each other to find who's the best, who's the best like physical specimen basically. So they're all from different fields and. They've basically turned it into like an almost um, like Squid Games esque Europe against each other, doing all these physical challenges. And um, th- there's something about this. I-, I don't. I love these kind of shows. Like, I- like I used to love like watching like Ninja Warrior, or there was one called Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix years ago, which was just like Sylvester Stallone doing like a big physical obstacle course. And I think there's something around just like uh, that that inherent misplaced confidence and i'll be watching them do some of these challenges and i'll be watching them literally i'll be lying on my bed like eating takeout food being like 
I, I wouldn't beat all of them, but I reckon I could give it a good go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so delusional. Yeah. These guys are specimens, mate. Like there's the, the, there's one guy they nicknamed him Iron Man because he's he's he's, the, he's a brick shit ass of a man. And, and it's so brazen for me to go like, well, you know, I wouldn't beat him, but you know, I could have turned up and not disgraced myself. But the reality of it is like, no, there's not a chance. These fuckers are like throwing around like boulders that weigh a hundred kilos, uh, and I'm going, yeah, I'd give it a go. But that was good. That was good fun, man. I I, I enjoyed it. I would I would recommend watching it. Also, I am because I, um, I was watching it like in the background while I was doing other stuff. So I, I watched the English dubbed version. Which I, I never usually do. I usually just watch stuff in whatever the the, the language is and subtitle <laughs> it. But I, I watched it in the dubbed version so that I could still, like you know, tap away on my laptop. And they really over enthusiastically dubbed it with like American voiceovers, so it just sounds like you're watching anime, like in the background. <laughs> like these these guys are doing like all these incredible feats, and then it's just like, oh my god, he is fantastic at what he does. This is incredible. We can never beat him in a showdown, and you're just like, what? Well, it's like it's just men doing push-ups. Like it's, it's, it's entertaining. I'd, I'd recommend it. <laughs> the dubbing is like America is number one. Yeah, just over <laughs> yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's class. I'll give that. I'll, I'll give that a go. Um, have, you, have you? Have you guys finished the, the Last of Us? Have you been watching the Last of Us? No, I date on it. Yeah. Is it good? I heard it's very good. Jack. Oh, it's very good. To watch it. Oh, yeah. it's very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sort of fits into your thing you were saying a couple of weeks ago, Jack, about like end of the world. So it's it's not quite French mm. Revolution TV, but it is kind of like um, the, the obviously it's, a, it's an apocalyptic story. So like people who didn't have anything in in our time are very have like different skill sets and everything. And uh, it, it it's it, it's interesting. It's interesting to see off the back of like having gone through the pa- a, a, a pandemic. Pandemic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's great. It's like I, um, brilliant, brilliant I, television. I saw a, I saw a great tweet about it the other day because I think it, it it's set in a time where the outbreak happened in two thousand and four. I think mm. is like the premise of the show. Yeah, and somebody tweeted saying like, um, the, the the people in The Last of Us are not real people. Uh, consider when the outbreak happened. These are people who never got to listen to "Hey Ya" by Outkast. These are not real humans. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, I like it when people just put stuff into context like that, and you're like, "Oh, that is a shame, actually." If only they can tell that six months longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They've got to see Andre three thousand slowly losing his mind. Uh, so, anything? Any any big peeves that anything been really annoying you recently? Um. Oh, I've been I've been weirdly relaxed lately about anything annoying me. I did I did also watch because I I finished Physical One Hundred too quickly and then I watched um the, the latest series of You because mentally I'm clearly like a fifteen year old girl from America. <laughs> um, and I'm 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 watching that and I'm just a bit like I don't know the the whole show the premise of it originally was like a bit ridiculous anyway wasn't it It's just this like mm. this this guy who is clearly a psychopath but through sheer force of will and criminal activity and stalking he gets all these women to fall in love with him and then murders them so it's already you have to suspend your belief a little bit to watch it but then i'm I'm watching the latest one and i'm just like this is this is getting ridiculous why am i still invested in what's mm-hmm. going on with this man like the, the latest series is like in london he's like fled all of his problems in america he's this trail of bodies and moved to london and he he, he lectures one class 
uh, in a university as an English professor under a, under, under a fake ID. I don't know how he's managed to get this job, but he wouldn't pass CRB. But um, <laughs> and and then he's just living in like this fucking wood panelled Kensington flat off of what salary I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm 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 watching it now, and I'm just like. <laughs> This is fucking farcical. Like, why am I still watching this fucking TV show? But here, but here we are. It, you know what I find, though, when I watch these shows? Now, I don't know about you guys, because we work in an industry where, as well as doing stand-up, you know, you, you're writing stuff and you're creating and stuff like that. I don't know. Do you guys ever... Because I've, I've, I've kind of got a few things in draft for, like, pilots, for, like, sitcoms and stuff. And sometimes I find you'll look at it and you'll go, this isn't, this isn't good enough. And you'll be really hard on yourself sometimes I will watch like a TV show or a film on Netflix or Amazon and I will go, you know what? If this shit is getting commissioned, then maybe mm. mine isn't that bad. Like yeah. I, I look at things in such a different way now. Like I will, I will watch a, a TV show that is horrendous. And the first thing I'll do is go on IMDb and be like, who wrote this? Yeah. Who wrote this? Show? Yeah. Like, yeah but, it, it, but do you know what it is? Cause I write um, magazine articles, right? And when I first started writing them, I had huge enthusiasm for them and I would spend a whole day writing them and I put loads of effort in. I do loads of research and then I was emailing them off to magazines and like I couldn't, they wouldn't publish them and I, or I'd occasionally get one published and I wouldn't get paid. And I would look through the magazine at the other articles and be like, their, their articles are just utter banal shite. Mm. Whereas I'm writing these amazing articles. But now I am the person who gets paid to write articles and put very little effort into them and couldn't really give a fuck about them. And if they said to me, we don't want your articles anymore, I really wouldn't. It wouldn't bother. I've no passion or interest in them now. But I have magazines always messaging me, asking me to write articles. And I think that's just what happens. It's just... Yeah, you be, you, be, you become like a, it's my 600th script. Yeah, yeah that's true. You're just like, I literally, you know... Before I was writing them for fun and because I, I, I was interested in writing about mm. something. Whereas now I'm just like, oh, I can't really say no to that money. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so I do it like it's over. Yeah. So Hollywood is just people are throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, essentially. That's, it feels a more achievable dream. Man. So instead, oh, so it's kind of, I think in, in, instead of like, well, you're right, you're writing something you want to write and then trying to pitch it. Whereas I think a lot of these things are someone else has come to them and said, listen, will you write this thing about this guy who goes to London, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, that's a shit idea. But, and then like, we'll give you 30 grand. And I'll tell you. Because that, that, yeah. that plot development is straight out of like the big bag of Hollywood. Like, how do we keep this series going? We'll move location. Yeah. You give him a new love interest. Like it's like it's like you can almost see the like, little bits being pinned up on the board. Yeah. Keep very that. formulaic, isn't it? Yeah, very formulaic. Very formulaic, yeah. Uh, it's working though. It's working though. It's yeah. keeping you. <laughs> it's keeping yeah, you exactly. exactly. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Joe, Joe Joe's clocked six hundred and twelve hours. <laughs> yeah, they could move they could move this man to fucking Mars and I'd be like, this feels legit. Who's he gonna murder here? What's going on? And if you um have you got any bits you trying, buddy? Um, yeah, a, a little bit. I the, the late, well, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm I, there's there's one I'm working on at the minute, which is just to do with going for a massage, and it all mm. goes terribly wrong, which which happened to me at one point. But the, the, there's one bit that I've always got. <laughs> I saved it in my notes, which 
you guys know Rosie. Rosie always laughs at this. Mm. I saved it in my notes as um, uh, the bit on zoos that wins me the fucking Perrier. Uh, and the Perrier doesn't exist anymore, but uh, which is which is not a strong start. But I, <laughs> I basically I basically just came up with it. It's not fleshed out in any way. It's just an idea that if I get to the end of a new material set and I've got like a minute left, I'll just I'll just be like you guys like zoos with no segue and just try it. It's basically just about my issues with zoos. Um, has fundamentally nothing to do with how poorly the animals are treated. Like my argument is that if anything, they should be treated worse so that I get better value for money um because <laughs> zoos are expensive and uh it's that it's it's a premise that always gets it always solicits like a you know a, 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 a response out of the audience in that they'll laugh because of how ridiculous it is but yeah that, that there's there's still the element in there of me basically saying you know lock a tiger in a six by eight box um <laughs> eventually makes people i think question me as a person so yeah. I, uh, I i don't think it'll be going into um into club sets anytime That's... soon but i'm deter i'm determined I'm, I'm i'm so blindly convinced that there's something in it that one of these days i'm gonna i'm gonna try it at a club that i absolutely shouldn't do and and and, and never do comedy again but we'll see yeah. we'll see how we go i i i do think there's something in that because it's a long time since i was asked at the zoo but i do remember going and you pay and then you might go to like the gorilla thing and they're like mm. oh yeah we the gorillas haven't been seen since tuesday and it's like mm-hmm. fucking what, why are we paying money for like go in there and fucking prod yeah. the fucker into yeah. sight and that's exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> isn't it yeah i'm like i constantly reiterate like my through line throughout the whole thing yeah it's just like they'll they'll tell me something and i'm like yeah but i paid 30 pound bro yeah like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't get what you what you want from me and it's, it's what... that exact thing of like you know Oh, the, the the tigers are sleeping. Well, fucking wake yeah. them up, bro. Like, up. This, yeah, yeah. this is business hours. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> they can I, sleep when it's shut. <laughs> I was wondering, is it that you need to be treated worse, or you, you need them to work harder? So you know, they need to put in a shift. Shift, like, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put them on a rotor. Yeah, you know what I mean. Train yeah. them. Yeah, this one sleeps while this one dances on a unicycle or something. Like you know, let's let's let, let's make it happen. And maybe that's it, my ultimate it. point. Bring back animals in circuses. Maybe that's my <laughs> ultimate. Point. Yeah, <laughs> I, and there is like real um, hypocrisy to it because you know they're saying that animals are be- you know have a better life in the wild, but like we humans who live in the wild, we look down on. Mm. Do you know Even what I mean? Like, they're probably happier because they don't have to. Yeah, you know, like, I've got so to do we, shitloads of work in a bit, but you know they don't. <laughs> we all knew. We all knew kids who dropped out of school very early to live a more, you know, in the wild sort of lifestyle, and you know they were that was considered the wrong thing to do. Like yeah. you know, being socialized and brought into school, and uh, I suppose into the the captivity of society was the was the beneficial route. But for animals, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Like there must be some animals that prefer it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, the they lazy, seem to have a pretty the, the, cushy life, yeah. It's the, la- it's the lazy ones that prefer it, and that's the problem. They're not working. Exactly. Yeah, they haven't got to work There has to be a tiger in, in the zoo going, you can't sit down and read a book in the forest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, it, it, my other frustration is, like, the shit ones are always awake. Like, you go to the zoo, the fuck, the goats are always active. You know, I, like, I, 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 didn't go, I didn't go there to see a fucking goat, mate. Like, you know what I mean? Fuming. Long story short, don't bother with London Zoo. It's a fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way of story. You see nothing. You see nothing, yeah. Yeah. 
I think, I think, I think there's life in that. I think there's, oh, I think there's yeah. I think so there's so do I. Don't that. give me hope, because right? <laughs> I think there is as well. Do you, do you, do you know uh, you're saying about the massage there? I uh, there's a bit I haven't tried yet, but I, I've been thinking, but it hasn't kind of formulated in any way. Have you, have you ever got your hair cut in like uh, a hairdresser's rather than a barber's, like a, a female hairdresser's? Like mm-hmm. a Tony and Guy or somewhere like that, yeah. right? I don't yeah. think so, no. I used to sit yeah. and watch my mum get a haircut in Tony and Guy. I don't know. But, it's a, but you have, Tom, right? And yeah. you know the way to wash your hair? Mm-hmm. You, they go, okay, we're going to wash your hair. And they bring you over and they like, they're like that. Like they actually, they kind of like create amount of friction you would create if you were cleaning like a, a saucepan or something. Mm-hmm. And I, so the idea is that I, I'm in and I'm getting my hair washed and she's washing my hair and then I'm like, Fuck, I don't think I've ever washed my hair properly in my life before. Do you know what I mean? Because I've never put that kind of effort <laughs> or friction into it. Mm-hmm. And then they, they reload the shampoo a few times. Like they, they use like, whereas I've mm-hmm. never done a reload. Do you know what I mean? I've only yeah, ever one, one and done. Yeah. One and done. So the idea that you're sitting there going, have I never, like, is she looking at my head going, this fucker's never washed his yeah. hair? Like, do you know what I mean? One of, one of you is doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Either she's nuts. And I, and I would argue it's not the professional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't think it's funny. I think it's just an observation, but I don't know if there's any anything, any humor in it. Well, the first place um, I went was like, men of our age, Jack, if someone starts rubbing my hair that fast, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's all going to fall off. Yeah, exactly. Now, it is, it is very nice. It could be just that they do it because it just feels nice. Yeah. You know, but are they actually washing it, you know? It could be she's a, it, it could be she's a competent, compassionate professional. Or... But there is an element of you going in and you're like, oh fuck, that's how you do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's right. No, that's how you do it. That's quite funny, yeah. Um so just, it's like in the in the in the in the pandemic, you know, like at the, at the very start of the pandemic, before the weekend before we were in lockdown, I was in King's Cross uh train station and I went into the toilet and it was the first time I realized that men's toilets don't have enough sinks. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because normally men aren't washing their hands, but suddenly there was a fucking queue for the men's sink the way there'd be a queue in the female toilet. Because mm. there was only there was, there could be twenty or thirty toilets, but there was like four sinks. So the, the the numbers didn't add up, you know. The pandemic everyone, definitely pointed out that we are animals. Oh, yeah, yeah, and everyone everyone was sort of like you could see like everyone was sort of why you know they were only washing because they were being watched. Yeah, yeah, I've gone away real quick. Uh, before we wrap up, Joe, you got a new podcast out, haven't you, buddy? Yeah, I do. Yeah, um, myself. Uh... Jason Tasker and and Raj Pajara, uh, we we've we've started a podcast up. It was essentially um, everybody was putting stuff online, um, and I I had no desire to do sketches online. Mm. Uh, I think some people are very good at and I it's something I've tried and, and, and I didn't think was for me at the moment. So yeah, we just kind of thought yeah, I could do a podcast. It's content, something to 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 put out. And I think podcasts are, are certainly taking off. We're not trend setting. We're definitely well behind that trend. Um, but it's it's essentially yeah, it's just free blokes that just turn up and just just chat shit for an hour and just just have a laugh. And we we we, we seem to have picked up a few people on on YouTube and Spotify. You seem to find it 
find it amusing. So yeah, we're we're, we're sticking with it. It's, it's it's called it's called the word on the streets or just you just twats. You can search and it comes yeah. up T W O T S. Um, and we don't really talk about anything particularly pressing. Um, we, it's literally just whatever comes up, and then just it, it's almost like um, it's almost like free lads when you te- when you're a teenager and you sit around smoking weed and think you're really wise and, and questioning the world. That's generally yeah. generally the vibe of it. Just 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 without the weed, just general um, weariness in life <laughs> of, of, free, of, of free men in their thirties at this point. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 a good life, man. We're all enjoying it. So it, I've enjoyed it. The clips are clips are great. Very good. Clips are very good. Are you doing that in a studio that you hire, or have you kind of built your own little podcast? No, we, we've we've hired out we've hired out a studio, which which is seemingly pretty affordable for the for the time being. Um, it just makes our life easier because then there's somebody else. None of us are tech savvy enough, so it's just someone right. there to just basically just set the cameras up, hit record, and then we can just go in and out, and they'll they'll send it to us. And then I'm very fortunate that, that a friend of mine is is, is a, an editor in, in TV. So he was like, it'll take me an hour to edit that every week. I'll do it for you. Um, so just got oh, very, very fortunate with that. Mm. Um, the, the, the clips are weird. Like I was, I was at Cardiff Glee a few weeks ago and um, so, someone asked me afterwards, um, how, how's your ass after you fell down the escalator at Tottenham Court Road? And I was like, yeah, it is weird. It is weird that, that, that you have found this in, in Cardiff. Um, they literally like shouted it out like while I was on stage. And I was like, unless you were just at the back of the room looking me up and Googling me while I was on stage, which is sad. Um, this is odd. The, but the length that clips travel online is weird as well. Like I, I had one clip that, that, that got a lot of views and all of a sudden I look at my analytics and there's loads of followers in New York and France and Paris for some reason and you're wow. like people messaging me going when are you going to do shows in Paris and I'm like I don't fucking know I've never given it any thought but uh, yeah it's uh, it's the internet's a weird place and it seemed stupid to not um, to not jump on it oh yeah yeah absolutely makes 100% sense <laughs> well you were that one Tom Tom had podcast viewers in... oh yeah i did some shows in amsterdam this weekend and a bunch of people found us because of the podcast they just said the same crazy thing. isn't it they're like found the podcast found the clips book book tickets we enjoyed the show please let us know when you've when you're going to come back so i mean if if anyone listens to this and is wondering like a clips and podcasts worth it i would say yes keep doing them keep doing them keep building up um so, uh, Joe, where can the where can the people find you when they're not finding your clips of you falling downstairs at Tottenham Court Road? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can find you can find them as well. Um, if you, you you can you can follow me on Instagram. It's uh, underscore Joe Bingham. Uh, nice, nice and simple. Clearly, someone else had the original. Um, <laughs> and then within that, I think that in my bio, there's links to to, to the podcast um, at the word on the streets. Which uh, is a bit wordy, but I, yeah. I think Twats comes up as well. But yeah, uh, underscore Joe Bingham, you can you can find me on there, um, or yeah, weirdly, you can also find me on OnlyFans. But there's no pictures of my arsehole, so apologies. That's that's none yet. None yet. None yet. That's wait until wait until the heating bills start racking up, and then exactly, we'll see how the comedy goes, isn't it? Yeah. Well, um, buddy, it's been great having you on. Really fun chat. Nah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been yeah, great. Cheer. Thanks a million for coming on, Joe. Yeah, great guest. Well done. Nah, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Have a, have, a, have, a good, have a good weekend. 
All see right. you soon. See, see you on the circuit. Cheers, see you soon, lads. Bye bye. Having a crack, having a crack